Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. But that's enough of a setup. Let's go ahead and actually talk tennis. And I want to make this a primer for the SEC tournament more than anything. My goal here with this episode is to really speak to the fans, to those of you out there who don't really follow Georgia tennis on a regular basis. Maybe you see me tweet about it here and there, but you don't really follow with any sort of regularity. I want to set the stage for you guys so that this weekend you can actually follow what's going on here in Athens with the men's tournament and also down in Gainesville with the women's tournament. So I just want to set the stage, give you guys the basics, and just put you in a position to where you can actually really follow and enjoy what's going on this weekend. And let's start with the men's program, not playing favorites here at all, but let's start with the men's program since the SEC men's tournament is here in Athens. We came in as the number four seed, so that means that we earned a double bye directly into the quarterfinals, where we will almost certainly face the five seed, Tennessee. Guys, Tennessee is really good. Let, let's let's talk about Tennessee for a minute. I'll, I'll give you a little lowdown on their program, and then we'll talk about our guys and how we match up. Tennessee has really grown as a tennis program over the years. They haven't historically been very good over the past three or four years. They've become a very good, very consistent tennis program, not only within the SEC, but also on the national stage. They did actually upset Florida last year in the SEC tournament and, and ended up winning the SEC tournament. I believe they were in the finals the year, I guess that was 2019, as we didn't have a SEC tournament in 2020 for obvious reasons. And this year, they were off to a great start as well. They were off to a fantastic start. And then they dealt with some injuries. We'll get to that in a second. But what makes Tennessee really tough is they have two, they really have two number one singles players. They have a guy named Adam Walton, who is a senior now, I believe he's an Australian, who's been playing court one at a really high level for them for a while now. But they have a guy who's come in, he came in last year as a true freshman and was fantastic right off the bat. Could have played court one for them last year. He actually might have played a couple of matches at court one, but he really kind of settled in at court two. But for, I would say, like 90 plus percent of the of the teams in the country, Johannes Monday would be playing court one. He is that good. He's been in the top 10 most of the year. He did deal with an injury. He's one of the guys that was hurt for them. And that, it didn't derail their season. They came in as the five seed. This is a team, guys, that is not a five-seed caliber team inside the SEC. They are clearly one of the top four teams in the SEC. Us having to play them in the quarterfinals is a tough draw because they are that good. They are that talented. 
And those top two singles players, Walton and Monday, are a big reason why they are so tough to handle. Monday's a bigger, taller guy, longer. It's really tough to get anything past him at the net. He can play great defense with that length. He's got more power than Walton. Walton's got plenty of power. Walton moves really, really well. He's got all the shots. He's a really crafty player in the times I've seen him play. And I've probably seen him play four or five matches throughout his career. They're both awesome. They're fantastic. And that puts a lot of pressure on you. What that does when you have two great singles players, they also have a really good, really exciting young freshman, Shinsuke Mitsui, as I believe how you pronounce his name. He's bounced around a couple different courts with them. He's settled in, I believe, right now on court four. And he's a really talented player, moves extraordinarily well. I watched, I believe it was Trent Bride who played him when we played him in Knoxville earlier in the year. Trent actually ended up winning that match, but you could see the talent from Mitsui clearly, very talented player. So Tennessee is really strong in singles. What that means is it puts a lot of pressure on you to win the doubles point. And really, the doubles point is critical in any match. And if you guys aren't familiar with how college tennis is set up, it's I think I've explained this before in the podcast, but for some of you who might not have listened to one of our tennis episodes, let me just quickly go over this one more time. It's the best out of seven. That's what it is. There's seven points you can earn, your team can earn. And it's like, you know, the NBA playoffs are going on right now. It's like the NBA playoffs or Major League Baseball playoffs. When you get into the NLCS, the ALCS, or the World Series, it's best four out of seven, right? The first team to get to four points, you win the overall match. Now, there are six singles matches, which means there's six points. Each singles match is worth one point. The doubles point is only worth one point. There's one doubles point. The way that we determine who wins the doubles point is there's three doubles matches. Whichever team wins two of the three doubles matches wins the doubles point. And you go into singles with a head start. Doubles are played before singles. So if you win the doubles point, you are in really good shape. That means you only have to win three out of six singles matches to win the overall match. So if you play a team, if you're Georgia, and you play it, a really talented team that has equal talent to what you have, which I think is certainly the case here with Tennessee, it puts a premium on the doubles point because it's extraordinarily hard to go out there and beat a team as talented in singles as Tennessee is, or Florida if we get to the semifinals, to beat them four out of six singles matches. That's asking a lot. It's not impossible. We've lost plenty of doubles points and come back and, and won the match, but you put yourself behind the eight ball, you put a lot of pressure on yourself, and it's easier to do that, again, when it's you're playing against a, a team that doesn't quite have the talent that you have. But when you're playing a team like Tennessee, when you're in the SEC tournament, you're playing Tennessee, you're playing Florida, or potentially playing South Carolina, it's just very, very difficult to have to come back and win four out of six singles matches after losing the doubles point and not carrying that momentum over into singles. So doubles point, always, always, always critical. But in a matchup against Tennessee, almost certainly going to be a matchup against Tennessee on Friday at 3 p.m., it becomes even more critical. We did play Tennessee earlier in the year. We played them up in Knoxville. We lost to Tennessee in the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament last year. We had a huge upset victory over North Carolina, who I thought was one of the most talented teams in the entire country last year. I mean, legitimately, extraordinarily talented team. And we played a fantastic match, and we beat them in Orlando in the Sweet 16. I had a ton of fun being there, man. I was going crazy because, honestly, I I thought we were playing with house money because North Carolina was that good, and I didn't have high expectations for that match. I thought that highly of them. And for us to go in there and and upset them the way we did, man, that that was awesome. And then we move on. We face Tennessee 
the next day, I think it was the next day, uh, in the Elite Eight. And we ended up losing that match. It did not go like we wanted. And uh, Tennessee was a really good team. I mean, they honestly, last year, we dealt with a ton of injuries ourselves. And they were probably the better team last year. And so they ended up winning that match. However, we went in Knoxville this year. And Tennessee was dealing with some injuries. And we were able to go in there and get the W, walk out of Knoxville with the win, which is a huge SEC win. If we had not won that match, we would not have gotten the double bye. We'd be in Tennessee's spot, be the five seed, and they'd sit there as the four seed. So very beneficial for us to uh, to beat them in Knoxville. And it's always great to beat Tennessee. You know, as far as I'm concerned, like we are the, the blue blood program in college tennis, especially in the SEC. And so these upstart programs, I like to kind of try to put them in their place where I think they belong historically. And, and look, they've done a great job building their programs. Florida you know, won the national title last year, which I don't like to say out loud, but it did happen. And that was the first one for them. And Tennessee is is really building something, I, I don't want to say special, but they're building something very strong. They're doing a great job building their men's tennis program. And I uh, I was excited just to get that W for that sake, but to put us in a really good position here to get the double bye was also fantastic. So here we are. It looks like Friday at 3 p.m. It's almost certainly again going to be Tennessee, a team that we have beaten, but they were injured. Johannes Monday did not play in that first matchup. He missed a couple of matches in midseason. And uh, that's and they lost. I think they might have lost like three matches in a row. But once he came back healthy, they kind of hit their stride again. And Tennessee again is Tennessee is as good as anyone in the SEC outside of maybe Florida. Florida is just that good. But Tennessee certainly can beat Florida on any given day. I think Tennessee can beat anyone in the country on any given day. They are that good. But I would also say the same thing about our team as well. All right, we have struggled with consistency at times, especially in doubles. But when we play up to our capabilities, when every single player in the lineup, one through six in singles and one through three in the doubles lineup, when we play to our potential, 100%, we can absolutely beat anybody in the country. We saw that last year when we beat North Carolina in the Sweet 16. And I think we're better this year. I think Hamish Stewart, who's playing court one for us, the grad transfer from Tulane, is the best singles player that we have had since probably are the best number one singles player, which would in turn be our best singles player that we've had probably since Isner. I think that's been, a, I don't, don't want to say an issue for us, but one of the things that I think has held us back from winning SEC titles the past couple of years and winning national titles since the Isner teams in those years, back when I was in school in, in the mid 2000s, I guess, is we have not had that dominant court one player where you can put him out there and say, you know what, I feel like he can play against, and not just play against, but beat the best players in the country on any given day. We've had some really good players in court one. Austin Smith was really good for us for a while. We went through a spell there where we didn't. We kind of were going back and forth, trying different guys there. Uh, ben Wagon was the guy who played there as a freshman. He was thrown in the duty there when KU Singh just mysteriously left the program right as we were in the postseason. He played fantastically there as a freshman, but then kind of fell off, and by the end of his career wasn't really even playing singles. He was a, a doubles ace for us. Um, let's see, we've had Wayne Montgomery play there a couple, you know, he had plenty of matches there in court one, but he was really always more of a court two player for us. Jan Zielinski was one of my favorite Georgia t- tennis players ever, um, was not really a sing- one singles player for us until his, his last year here in Athens. And he was kind of th- thrust into that role by necessity and, and, and played really well, but Jan was never, Jan was a fantastic player for us and a, a killer doubles player. He's making a heck of a pro career for himself as a doubles player right now. But um, he was not really a, a one singles player. And Trent Bride, who's still on the team, has played there the past couple years. And he's had some really good moments. Trent has spent a lot of time inside the top 20, top 15 nationally in singles. 
but he dealt with a back injury last year, and that really put him back, and uh, he didn't seem to play that much with the team in the, in the fall, and he, he hasn't really had the kind of season that I think he was probably expecting himself, that I was hoping that he would have, and he's actually dropped in lineup all the way to court four, but we'll get to that in a little bit, but go back to Hamish Stewart on court one. Hamish Stewart did not beat Adam Walton in that first matchup in Knoxville, but he was about to beat him. He won the first set. He lost the second set in a tie break, and he was up a break up 3-1 in the third set. And I watched that match. I wasn't in Knoxville. I actually contemplated going to that match, but uh, didn't end up, had some things that came up and wasn't able to end up making it up there because we had the guys and the girls there back-to-back days up in Knoxville. So I wanted to make that swing, do the two-for-one special, but couldn't quite get up there. But I, I live-streamed it, I watched it, and Hamish was better. Hamish was just a better player, and he was playing really well in that match. And if, I, I truly believe if Walton and Hamish play up to their full potential, both those guys bring their A-game, I think Hamish's A-game is better. I think Hamish can beat him. Um, Hamish is, is a fantastic player, guys. He, uh, again, is tra- transfer from Tulane. This is his only year with us. I wish we could get him for another year, but that's just not going to happen. So we got to enjoy him while we got him. He was the National Player of the Month. I believe he was the National Player of the Month last month. And uh, he's been playing lights out. He's inside the top 15 now nationally in singles. And he has beat some of the best players in the country. He beat Sam Rafis earlier in the year in the National Indoor Tournament back in, was that February? Uh, Sam Rafis is Florida's, he was number one singles for Florida for a while. He's now playing number two singles for Florida. But he won the singles national championship last year, guys. That dude is insanely good. And Hamish beat him earlier in the year. And Hamish has, has beaten some other top players and, and been right there against other guys. Um, he was playing really well against Liam Draxel, who was spent most of the year last year at number one in the country in singles uh, for Kentucky. I uh, ended up losing him a couple of weeks ago, but but easily could have won that match. There are some shots I know he wishes he had back, and he was right there. But Hamish can play with anybody, and I feel really good about that matchup. He's played him once, and he didn't get the W, but I feel like Hamish is the better player. Court two is going to be where my eyes are more than anything on Friday, if indeed we do end up matching up with Tennessee. Because, as I mentioned earlier, Johannes Monday is a fantastic player on court two. He is really a court one player playing court two. And he has given us problems both times we faced him. We faced him twice last year, didn't face him this year, earlier this year. He was not playing again when we played him in Knoxville. But he's going to be matched up with one of our our, our guys uh, who's been around for a while, Phil Hemming, who technically is a senior, but thank God, uh, here's some incredible news. I should have shared this at the outset. We had a this class in 2018, Phil Henning, Trent Bride, and Blake Kreuter. Those are the headliners. They're the ones that play for us still in singles. And those guys should have been graduating this year. But with COVID, obviously, they get an extra year if they choose to take that. All three of those guys have chosen to come back next year as super seniors, which is fantastic news for this team, guys. I mean, that I cannot emphasize to you how good that news is. Because with those three coming back for an extra year, Add in some of the players that we're bringing in next year. We have some really talented young guys that are still trying to figure things out this year. But like your guys like Ethan Quinn coming in from California, top five recruit. Thomas Paulsell has been playing for us. Some on court six, another top five recruit nationally. A couple years back from Washington, I believe. And then we've got Miguel Perez Payne, who's also played on court six for us a bunch this year. Actually clinched the match against Auburn last weekend. Those three guys are really great young nucleus. And to bring that class of 2018 back next year, along with a couple of transfers we've got coming in. That makes me very excited for how good this team can be next year. But that's next year. Right now, we're focused on this year. But Phil 
is playing what I believe is his best tennis as a Georgia Bulldog. And I have seen this guy play a ton of matches since he was a freshman. This 2018 class, guys, that kind of rejuvenated the program. We had a couple of, a little bit of a lull there for a couple of years after winning like six of seven SEC titles, something like that. But this team has rejuvenated the program. I know Coach Diaz has spoken glowingly about them in the past, how much he enjoys coaching these guys and working with them. They're all fantastic young men. I mean, I don't know any of them, but I, I get there like, I don't know, at least half an hour before each match so I can get, make sure I can get my seats. I have the seats that I want to sit in every time. And uh, I watch these guys warm up. I watch them interact with each other. And they just seem like good dudes. You know, that's just the vibe I always get from them. They love each other. They're a very close-knit group. A lot of good leaders on this team. They're a bunch of fighters. And I, I love this team. And I want this team to have a lot of success because they're Georgia Bulldogs. And I just love Georgia. But I want these guys to have success too because they've earned it. They deserve it. And Phil has been a great player for us all of his career. He's really bounced back and forth between court two and court three. Uh, but he has settled in this year at court two. He didn't get off to a fantastic start this season, but he has really turned it on of late. And he is playing, again, the best tennis I have ever seen this guy play. I've seen a bunch of matches. I've watched Phil play a ton. And I've never seen him play as well as he's playing right now. I truly believe that. I mean, everything is working for this guy right now. He's always one of the guys that plays incredibly hard. He hustles like crazy on the court, but all his strokes are just... They're working for him right now. I mean, his ground strokes are pinpoints, placing them wherever he wants them. The serve is on fire. He's, his volley game is great. He's seeing the court really well, moving his opponents around, up, back, side to side. I mean, he's got every shot in the book at his disposal right now. He is just locked in. So I'm extraordinarily excited to see him play Monday. Monday, again, is fantastic. But hey, Kentucky has a really great duo on courts one and court two as well. They have two guys just like Tennessee that are really both court one players. The guy that plays court two for him is also a sophomore. His name is Gabriel Diallo. And honestly, when we played them, I think two weeks ago now, I, I thought that Diallo was just going to beat Phil. I mean, Phil's really, really good, but Diallo is, man, he is legit. But Phil went in there and beat him, beat him pretty convincingly. And then Phil came home this this past weekend and the competition wasn't as great. Sure, we can say that. But he won his match on Friday against Auburn. I think it was like 6-0-6-1. And then he won his match on Alabama against Alabama on Friday. I think it was, if I remember correctly, 6-0-7-6. But he's playing lights out right now, guys. I really don't know if I've seen Phil play this well. And I'm excited to see him match up with a guy as talented as Johannes Monday. I think that's going to be the featured match of the weekend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And then on court three, you've got Tristan McCormick, another grad transfer, who's got a huge serve, probably the biggest serve that we've had on the men's side since John Isner. I mean, it's not an Isner level serve. I mean, it's not that, but it's like when he gets that first serve in, like, watch out. And ace, 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 ace. And he, he can place it really well. A second serve, he puts a good amount of spin on it. He's, got, he's, tough to, he's tough to break. He's tough to break with that serve. He doesn't, um, he's a bigger guy. He's like 6'4". He's a super intense guy. I mean, he's an absolute animal on Friday night against Auburn. He fell down 0-5 in the first set, bounced back, almost won that first set, ended up dropping it late. I think it was maybe 7-5, uh, but ended up winning the, the match in three sets. And um, he was fired up, man. That's, and he brings that intensity. You love that. I love that about him. That's one of the things that makes college tennis such a different breed is guys like Tristan McCormick and the intensity that they bring to the table. But he's been a great leader for us, just like Hamish has. And um, he's a really dangerous player there on court three, especially with that serve. He's a power player. He likes to hang on the baseline. He plays court one doubles with Hamish Stewart, but I think he's a better singles player. Uh, and, and I didn't know if he was, he, he came in with a reputation as a really good doubles player. I didn't know if he was going to play singles for us much, but he had a really good fall play in some pro tournaments and, and worked himself into the lineup. He actually played court two for us for a while and it's kind of settled into court three where he's been, he's been playing at a really high level for us all year long. And then on court four, we've got Trent Bride, who again has been a court one singles player for us for really the past two years. Dealt with an injury, a back injury, which is really tough when you play tennis, man. It's just hard to do anything when you get the back injuries. And uh, I don't know if it's still a lingering back thing or if he missed so much time last year in the fall that he's. it's just been tough for him to work back into things. Or maybe it's a confidence thing. I don't know exactly what it is. But Trent just hasn't had the season that I was hoping that he would have and that I was expecting for him to have going into what would have been his senior year. But a lot like Phil, Trent seems to be rounding into shape, coming back and becoming more of... The old Trent, the Trent that we know and love, that, we, that we've always kind of expected him to be. He won his match against Alabama. Now, no, Alabama's terrible. Like they, they, did, they did not win a match in the SEC this year. They went winless. But still, regardless, he was dominant on Sunday, winning his match 6-0, 6-1. So if we can get that version of Trent Bride, if we can get like that classical Trent Bride playing to the level that I've seen him play plenty of times in his career, that former top 15 player overall nationally in singles the sky is the limit for this team that might be honestly that might be the key to this team if in our postseason run if we can get Trent back on track playing at that level watch out because there is if we can get Trent back to that level there's no core four player in the country that can play with Trent Bright he's always been more of a defensive player kind of a counter puncher I think he can be more offensive sometimes you know you see him when he's returning serves he kind of just blocks the serve and then like the return from the opponent is just, he just puts it away. And I've never quite understood why he does that sometimes. He doesn't do it all the time, but that's just, I don't understand sometimes why he does that. I'm sure there's a reason behind it. I don't know. But when he actually like returns a serve and can get into the point, Trent's a really talented player. He moves extraordinarily well. His serve, I think, is better than it ever has been. He's got more pace on it. He's placing it really well. He's got good topspin on it. I've been really impressed with his serve lately. But if he can just get that confidence going and be more aggressive, then I think Trent can be a difference maker for us. He has been a difference maker for us in the past, and I think he especially can be a difference maker for us on court four as we enter the postseason. On court five, got another guy who was coming from the 2018 class, Blake Kreuter, who has just been a um, an absolute stalwart for us there in the pit. And when I, when I say pit, guys, I mean like courts four through six. 
and we call it the pit because if you've ever been to the Dan McGill Tennis Complex, the way it's kind of laid out and structured, the top three courts are like on a higher level than the bottom three courts. So the bottom three call it as like they're down in a pit. And so Blake has gone back and forth between court four and court five, and he has won a ton of matches for us. He's been on multiple like 15 plus match win streaks in his career. Now he's not been as dominant lately. He's lost a couple matches lately, which is very un-Blake-like. But I still have a lot of faith in Blake on court five. I don't think there's many court five players in the country that are as good as Blake Crowder. I think he's been a weapon for us down there his entire career. And then court six has been, again, I don't want to say issue. Issue is too strong of a word for us. But it's been inconsistent for us. We haven't had a consistent player there on court six. We've tried a couple different guys. Miguel Perez Peña is the guy who's been playing more recently on court six as a freshman from Spain, a highly recruited guy coming from Spain. I believe he's the top player in Spain coming out last year. He's played a ton. Thomas Paulsell, a former top five recruits, played a lot on court six for us as well. Uh, Miguel clinched the match against Auburn Forest last weekend. Came down to him. It's 3-3, final match on court six, and uh, he came up big and won that and won his match, and therefore we won the entire match 4-3. And then Eric Gravilius, who played court six for us last postseason, a lot last year, who's a junior from Sweden, who's a fantastic doubles player. I think the best doubles player in our team. I think he's built to do that. Uh, he's just got incredible hands. He's gotten some opportunities again this year to play course six, but hasn't really capitalized on those. He's a much better doubles player because he doesn't necessarily have like the power game that some of our other players do. But man, his his net game, his volley game is 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 elite. It's freaking fantastic. But that's been a that's been an issue for us at times this year is court six. I don't want to sit here and say like, hey, you just chalk up and say core six is a loss. That's not the case. Not at all. We have some really talented players on core six. They're just young. Like you're talking about Miguel Perez Pena and Thomas Paulsell who've been the two primary core six players for us. They're really young. They're getting their first serious playing time. Paulsell came in as an early enrollee last uh, last spring, didn't play any. So this is the first year he's gotten to play any at all. And then Miguel Perez Pena is a, a true brand new freshman. So they're young and they've had their moments. They're super talented. I'm really excited about the future for them. But right now there's just some inconsistency there. But if we can win on court six and we win doubles, I really, really, really like our chances. But it's going to be a heck of a match. This might be the the best match of the entire tournament, honestly. It's going to be an incredible match from the quarterfinals. Georgia versus Tennessee, Friday, 3 p.m. Be there, guys. I'm telling you, if you've never taken a Georgia tennis match, come on. I'm taking a half day off. Join me. Come out there. Experience college tennis at its finest. There's nothing like, at least in the college tennis landscape, there's nothing like postseason college tennis in Athens. There's just nothing like it in the world of college tennis. And then if we happen to win and we beat Tennessee... We got to match up with number one Florida. It's the number one seed. I don't believe, I think TCU is ranked number one right now, but Florida is a top five team nationally. We've played them twice already this year. We played them in the national indoors back in February. We lost 4-2 in that match, but that's where Hemish Stewart was able to defeat Sam Rafis in singles. We lost to them at home here a couple of months ago now. 4-0. Um, it wasn't pretty when we played them here. They just, they played lights out. And they're another team that has two legitimate court one players. They have a guy named Ben Shelton, who's coming as a young guy, I think he's a sophomore now, who is, he's spent a lot of time this year as number one, number two player in the country in singles. Sam Rafis, who again won the singles national title last year, he is playing court two for them, but I would say like 98% of the teams in the country he plays court one for. So they are tough to handle. It's another team like like Tennessee, the doubles point just assumes such critical importance against a team like, like Florida if we were able to play them on Saturday. Because 
it's just tough, man. When you have two dominant singles players like that, then you have Andrade, who's a really good singles player. They have a bunch of guys in singles. It's just tough to get four out of seven. I mean, getting three, or, I'm sorry, four out of six singles matches. Getting three out of six singles matches is tough enough against Florida. Getting four, that's, uh, man, that, that's, that's quite a tall task. So it's critical both these matches. If we can get to that to the this, to this Saturday match in the semifinals against Florida, it's critical to win the doubles point in both these matches. But I like our chances, guys, and maybe that's the homer in me. I'll own it. That's fine. But the home court advantage, guys, you cannot discount it. It's insane in Athens. It truly gives us a home court advantage. That's why I'd love for you to come out and just experience it. It's fantastic. If you can't make it Friday, I know it's early. I get it. Saturday, if we beat Tennessee on Friday, we play Florida on Saturday at 2 p.m. You got to come for that, man. I mean, not only is it SEC playoff tennis, but Georgia versus Florida. I mean, come on. Come on, guys. Like, what's not to love about that? You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, so that was your primer for the men's SEC tournament coming up this weekend here in the Classic City. But let's give the ladies some love here. Now, they are playing, unfortunately, down in Gainesville. And we had a rough end to the season, the regular season, last weekend. We lost both matches on our Alabama swing at Alabama and at Auburn. We definitely should not have lost to Alabama. They are not a very good team. Auburn has been a good team all year, so that one's more understandable. But look, there's context here, guys. We had a lot of injuries. We're dealing with some injuries right now. Dasha Vidmanova, who is a true freshman who has been lights out for us, started on court three. She actually did not enroll until January, and her potential, guys, is off the chart. She has a fantastic serve. She's a big, tall girl, big, like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, but moves extraordinarily well. She's this strange combination, very unique combination of power, aggression, and also defensive tennis because she has great length. She's really hard to hit winners against because she moves really well. She's got long arms. She's already tall, and she can defend extraordinarily well, especially on the baseline. She can just get to a lot of balls and just plays great defense and keeps herself in points. And she's got, again, a power serve, big-time serve at this stage in the game. She's got great forehand, great backhand. She was very hesitant when she first got here to come to the net, but she's gotten more comfortable doing that. And She's fantastic at the net. I, I don't know why she was setting it first because she's got great volley skills to the net. She's just playing really, really well. She played court three for most of the year. She had moved up to court two, then she got hurt two weekends ago here in Athens. And uh, I sat there and watched her. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, please be okay. She did come back and play doubles against Alabama, did not play singles. And then she ended up playing doubles and singles, or at least, yeah, she played doubles and singles on Sunday against Auburn. But also against Alabama on Friday, Mel Riasco, another true freshman, another stellar true freshman, as Dickie V would say, a diaper dandy. 
She did not play at all on Friday. She did not play doubles. She did not play singles against Alabama. So on Friday, what happened was when you have two of your top three singles players out, all right? So we had our court one singles player. She played. Leah Ma did. Then court two, court three, those players are out. So all the other girls had to move up two courts. So our fourth best singles player who plays court four, Morgan Coppock, had to play court two against Alabama's second best singles player. Our fifth best singles player on court five, Meg Kowalski, had to play up on court three. And that's just really difficult. I mean, injuries are difficult to deal with in any sport, but tennis is especially difficult when you're talking about college tennis and the team aspect because you have six players, right? You have six singles players and it's a matchup nightmare, major disadvantage if you have like your fifth best player going against their third best player and your fourth best player going against their second best player. I'm not saying you can't win in those situations, but it makes it really, really, really difficult. And that's what happened to us on Friday against Alabama. We ended up losing that match 4-3, a match that we had no business losing. We are far better than Alabama. And if we played them again, which I don't think that we will, but if we did we and we're fully healthy, we would murder them. But that made me, I'm, I was concerned because why is it Mel play? I thought maybe it's like, hey, we know we're not going to win the one seed because it's probably going to be Texas A&M. So do we just like try to rest up and get healthy and, and whatnot? That was concerning. But then you fast forward to Sunday against Auburn and Mel is playing, Dosh is playing singles. So they're both back. So it's like, okay, whew, breathe a sigh of relief. We're, we're in good shape going to the postseason. But then our number one singles player, Leah Ma, she's not playing. And she's been banged up. She dealt with like a groin injury last year. She had that taped up again last weekend here in Athens. She looks like she had done something to her ankle. She was wearing a brace, it looked like. So I don't know if it's that she couldn't play. Or again, we're just trying to get her healthy for the postseason run. But regardless, we weren't fully healthy. So we didn't have our number one singles player. Everybody had to move up another court, and that just threw us completely off. And, you know, we fought hard. We, we still almost beat Auburn on the road. We, we lost just like against Alabama, 4-3, but we weren't fully healthy. If we are fully healthy, I feel confident we are better than both teams. Auburn has been really, really good this year, guys. They end up getting the two seed. They're not traditionally a good tennis program, but they're, they're trying to build something there. They end up 11-2 in the conference, 19-4 overall. They're number 13 in the country. Um, that's, a, that's a good tennis program. I think that we're better, though. I, I, I know that we are better. They have good players. We have better players when we are fully healthy. Again, problem was we were not healthy. So that's my concern going into the SEC tournament here in Gainesville this weekend is what is the status of all these players? What is our health situation like? I just don't know. But regardless, we did have another fantastic season. No, we didn't go back to back to back with an SEC titles. We've won each of the past two regular season titles. Uh I guess it was 2019 now because 2020 didn't count, but I guess two actual seasons ago, we were the runners up in the country. We were the best. we were number one in the country almost all year. We were undefeated for a long, long, long time. Then we lost to South Carolina in the SEC tournament finals. They made all the way to the final match of the entire tournament and lost to Stanford, who is, you know, women's caution is royalty. So there's nothing to be ashamed of there. We made a run last year to the Elite Eight. We got knocked out. And then this year, you know, come in and we, we lose our number one singles player, Katarina Jokic, who was maybe the best one of the best I think it's fair to say I haven't seen all of our women's tennis players throughout the last 40 years or so but certainly the best Georgia women's tennis player that I've ever seen and got to be up there among the best in in Georgia women's tennis history had what I called the backhand from God just an incredible power player Uh, missed her and she was she had the clutch gene cardiac cat man so missed her but Leah Ma is a really 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 talented player we've talked about her before I think long term she might actually have more talent than cat she just doesn't always play with the same intensity which is part of what made Cat Cat. She was so competitive, so fiery, and just wanted to win. 
and uh, Leah, that comes and goes with her. She's younger so that she can grow into that. I think she's gotten better in that regard this year, but she's insanely talented. But we had a bunch of young players. We still have a, a veteran core, Meg Kowalski, who is another one who's coming back next year for super senior year. Incredibly excited about that. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Meg Kowalski is my favorite current Georgia athlete in any sport. I love watching her play. She's a spark plug out there. She is one of the best leaders I have ever seen in any sport. And she just doesn't lose. She wins. She wins. Now, she actually did lose last week. It was like, whoa. Like, when Meg loses, it's an event. When she was a freshman, she played core six force. It was an automatic win in that year where we went to the, the national championship match. I mean, she was just freaking lights out. I remember in the, in the NCAA tournament, she was throwing up a couple of times in the match and didn't retire, kept playing. She ends up winning that match. And that point was, was crucial. I mean, she's just a warrior out there, man. She is the epitome of what it means to be a Georgia Bulldog, a fantastic teammate and a really talented player. No, she doesn't have the power game that a lot of her teammates do, but she's a crafty little player and she's she's really talented in her own right. I mean, she can hit every shot. Did she hit it with the kind of pace that everyone else does? No, not necessarily. She's a smaller smaller woman, but she's a fantastic player. So she's, she's coming back next year, but she's back this year as well. Morgan Coppock, who's a senior. Leah Ma, who's been around for a couple years on court one now. She played court two her first two years. Now she's on court one. And then we have a bunch of young players. We have these three true freshmen who are all fantastic. But the top of the line, you guys, it's, it's Dasha, who I think is a court one player in the future. Mel Riasco is also a future court one player. She, she has that potential. They both do. They have different games. Mel, Mel can hit a, she can certainly hit with some pace, but she puts a lot of topspin on the ball. She moves extraordinarily well. She moves all over the court, plays really, really hard. She she really likes, talk about hanging on the baseline. She likes to just bang with you on the baseline, but she's a fantastic player. Dosh is fantastic. They're both true freshmen. Uh, one of our, our best doubles players, Gigi Guillermina Grant from Uruguay. She is a fantastic doubles player. She's played really well for us when she's got opportunities in singles as well. Anya Hurdle missed most of last, her tell, I should say, missed most of last year with, with a health issue. I mean, she's back this year. She's playing court 6-4. She's still really young. So we, we have a nice mix of veterans, but this really exciting young core. And I think the future is even brighter than what this year might end up being for us. I think we could, we could, we certainly have the talent to potentially win the whole thing this year. There's some really talented teams. You know, North Carolina is always really good. NC State's really good. Texas is really good. They won it last year. There's some really talented teams. Duke's another team that's really good. But when we play our best tennis, we can play and beat, play with and beat anybody in the country. But as, as great as that is, I think next year will be even better. But we're not worried about next year. We're worried about this year. But Leah Ma, super talented on court one. Dasha or Mel, I, Dasha had kind of overtaken Mel and started playing court two. But then last week, Mel was back ahead of Dasha. So in some combination, it'll be Mel Riasco and Dasha Vidmanova on courts two and three. Then Morgan Kopik on court four, who's played a lot of tennis for us. She's a vet. She was, the I think, the lone senior, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the lone senior for senior day uh, a couple weekends ago here in Athens. And you got you got Meg, who I love dearly. She's on court five, and Meg, Meg's just gonna fight, man. She's gonna grind and grind and grind and grind, and she will not quit. I'm not saying she's gonna win every single match, but that girl just grinds, man. She just plays as hard as she possibly can. And then on court six, Anya Hertel, as a really talented, talented court six player, another really good doubles player. She plays court one doubles for us. She's a really strong serve. She's another player who's tall and long, so she she has the ability to play good defense. 
I think she has a really high potential moving forward. I think she's certainly higher than a court six singles player in the future. But right now, she's really strong for us. She's been a really strong player for us on court six. You know, I mentioned earlier, I think on the men's side, we've had some inconsistencies on court six. And Anya has not won every single match she's played on court six. But I do think she gives us more consistency there on the women's side than what we've got on the men's side. Because she's just more experienced. She's been around a little bit longer. She did miss pretty much all of last year. But she's come back really strong this year. And I really like what we have there on court six. And guys, that brings me to, to another point here. It doesn't matter if it's court one or court six. Every point counts. Whether it's a win on court one or court six, it don't matter. We need four points. Whether it's doubles, whether it's singles, whether it's court two, court five, court six, it does not matter. Each point counts the same. So when you are keeping track of it this weekend, when you're following all the coverage on the men's tennis Twitter account, the women's tennis Twitter account, my Twitter account, when you're following all that this weekend, and I know your eyes are going to gravitate naturally towards the higher courts, but just remember, every single court counts the same. They're all worth one point. In fact, when we made our run to the national championship match in 2019, I think the strength of the team was the pit, courts four, five, and six. We had a player named Vivian Wolf on court four who, just like Meg Kowalski on court six, never lost. You could essentially go into every single match and just chalk up wins on court four and court six. And that is incredibly valuable, especially when you have the number one tennis player in the country, the number one women's tennis player in the country, Katarina Jokic on court one. That's three courts going into every single match that you felt like you were going to win. That's what made us really dangerous in uh, 2019. You had Elena Kristoffi, who played court two for us at times earlier in her career on court five that year. So it doesn't matter what court it is, guys. Every single court matters. And the matchup for the ladies is, is interesting. I, again, I think we're... Probably the most talented team in the SEC. Now, Texas A&M did end up winning the regular season this year. Got to give them credit. They came into Athens and beat us 4-0 in that matchup. And it, it sounds like it was a beatdown. And, and they did end up shutting us out 4-0. But a lot of those matches were far closer than you would think just based on like the 4-0 score and some of the ones that went unfinished. Just the way it generally works, guys, is when a team gets to four points, the matches that are still in progress, they just get stopped. Like, they don't finish the matches. So if we'd played them all out, we I don't believe that we would have gotten shut out there. But I think we have a more talented team than them. They have just a bunch of veterans. This is the year that they've been building to. They've got a bunch of really good players. Court one and court two, they're really strong. Makarova on court two. I watched that match closely when she was playing Mel Riasco. And Mel gave her, gave her a, a run, man. Like Mel easily could have won that match. But I think just the veteran experience there kind of came out, helped Makarova come out on top. But fortunately, as the three seed, we would not have to play AM until the final match if we get there on Sunday at 4.30. So it looks like in the first round, we're probably going to play South Carolina, who we have already beaten. South Carolina is the sixth seed. We're the three seed. They will play the winner of the LSU-Kentucky match. That's actually happening today, Wednesday. So it'll almost certainly be South Carolina. We are better than South Carolina. That's a good tennis program. They've they've been good in the past, but they aren't quite the vintage South Carolina team this year. We should, if we're healthy, we should definitely win that match, and then that would set up a rematch from last weekend's loss against Auburn. This time on a neutral site. Hopefully, we're healthy, which I think could certainly make a difference here. I like our chances in the rematch against Auburn again. I just think we have more talent up and down the lineup, and then that might set up potentially a matchup, a rematch against Texas A&M in the championship game on Sunday at 4.30 p.m., which you can catch on the SEC Network. 
the men's and women's semifinals are both going to be on SEC Network Plus. So basically, ESPN Plus if you have that. And then the final match on the men's and women's sides will both be on SEC Network, like the legit SEC Network, the men at 2 and the women at 4.30. But last thing I'll say before I get out of here, I just want to recap and just finish up on the women's side real quick. I'll go back to what I was saying about the men and how critical the doubles point is. We have not been playing consistently well in doubles on the women's side recently. We lost both matches last weekend 4-3. We lost the doubles point in both those matches. If we had won the doubles point in those matches, even despite the injuries, we still would have won the overall match. So it is critical. And I truly believe that if we can win the doubles point in each of our matches this weekend on the women's side, that we will win the SEC tournament. I think we are that strong in singles. I think it's really hard, you look at our singles lineup, to beat us four out of six courts in singles. I, I don't, I mean, maybe A&M, maybe, but I don't think any other team out there in the SEC can do that. So if we can just put it together on the double side, we've mixed up the lineups a little bit recently. I am curious to see what the lineups are going to be coming out this weekend when we play on Friday against almost certainly South Carolina at three o'clock. I'm very interested to see what the teams are going to look like out there in, in the doubles matches. I, I don't know. We, we, we'd stuck with a, with a format with, with teams most of the year. And then a couple of weeks ago, we, we switched them up a little bit because we, were ha- we weren't having as much success as we would like. And I get why you switch them up there, but we're still trying to find the answers there. So I hope we have answers because if we do, if we can win those doubles points, we're going to be really tough to beat. We're going to be really, really tough to knock out. But the good thing is, I will also say, we are so strong in singles that even if we don't win the doubles point, we still have a chance to come back and win those matches. But it'll be a lot of fun, guys. I'm really excited about it. I hope that this podcast helped you get at least a little bit more excited about it. Even if you have not been following it all year long, there's no better time than now to get started because college tennis, guys, postseason college tennis is fantastic, especially when it's in the Classic City. So we'll have the SEC tournament here this week and the men's tournament. And in a couple of weeks, it's a near certainty that both the men's and women's teams will be hosting the first and second round of the Insulate tournament. Top 16 teams get to host, and I think as of right now, barring some like complete disaster, both teams should end the season, come out of the SC tournament inside the top 16, and be hosting the first and second rounds in a couple of weeks. So you got a chance, guys, come out and watch some high-quality postseason college tennis, and that's the best kind of tennis there is. So come on out, cheer on the dogs, do your thing. Scream, yell, bark. It's an awesome environment. It's not your classical tennis environment. You might think like at Wimbledon or the French Open or something like that. No, it's a rowdy, raucous environment, and it's a ton of fun. So you can get your tickets today, guys. You just go to, you can actually go to my Twitter account. You can go to the men's, women's Twitter accounts, and you can find a link to uh, the ticket page. You can just go to georgiadogs.com and find the, the link as well. But it's 15 bucks for all session passes for this weekend for the men's tournament. I'll definitely be there going crazy. I hope to see some of you guys there as well. But that's it for me today, guys. Curtis and I will be back later on this week. I'm going to try to get Curtis on the episode. We're going to see if we can find a way to maneuver the schedule around and get him on to do the mailback episode later this week where we're going to be answering all your questions coming out of G-Day. We had a a big G-Day overreaction episode earlier this week, but we know even with that, we didn't have time to cover everything. So we want to make sure we're covering all the things that you guys want us to talk about coming out of G-Day. So that will happen later on this week. But I wanted to bring this bonus episode to you guys to get you fired up, get you ready for the SEC tennis tournaments this weekend, and hopefully encourage a couple of you to give it a shot and uh, and see what college tennis is all about. But thank you for listening, guys. Thank you for humoring me. We will be back to our regularly scheduled football content later on this week. And as always, 
Go dog.